sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm a dummy. <laughs> What's going on, guys? All right, we're back. We're knocking them out. We're getting them done so that I can uh, get through the rest of this uh, this weekend. Um, it is Christmas Eve, and I uh, want to wish Merry Christmas to everybody. You're going to be listening to this after Christmas, so uh, Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Today we got a cool, um, cool little segment, little episode we're going to throw out there. Uh, it might be a little shorter, um, just because I did a lot of a lot of re- like research on this and did a lot of things, but also. Um, once you get past this part, your brain's going to be melted. <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things where you're like, you just kind of stand back and, and, uh, be like, that was a lot of information. So, um, we're going to start by, what do we have? Do we have anything to talk about beforehand? Um, okay. Okay. I do have one little thing two, maybe two little things. So like I said, today is Sunday. Um, I'm feeling pretty good today. Yesterday I was weird. And it's weird when you're dealing with what I'm going through. Like, every day is different. Um, yesterday I was super tired, but, like, I was almost to the point of, like, okay, we're a whiskey podcast, and every once in a while, you drink too much whiskey, right? Whoops, that sucks. And you know, like, when you lay down in the bed after you've had more than you probably should have, and the bed is kind of spinning, but, like, it's not, like, horrible. And then you stick your foot out of the covers and everything's fine, right? That's that's normally how it goes. Well, it, it was like that. That's how I was feeling. Uh, which is kind of not, like, dizzy, dizzy. Not like, oh, God, I can't even sit up. But it was, like, uh, dizzy enough. You know what I mean? So that was kind of weird. Uh, and this is like, you know, I had the treatment on Tuesday. So we're talking a pretty good while. Uh, you know, four days or, or whatnot of, of treatment. So that's strange. But anyway, I say all that to say, um, we got through it. Everything was fine. I went to bed, woke up this morning, felt a little better. Um, so yeah, we're just taking it day by day. I, tomorrow, um, I have off obviously. Uh, and then Tuesday we hit it again. So, you know, it's one of those things last, last couple of rounds. So, uh, you know, well, last round, I guess. Round three, and who's going to win is going to be me. So uh, today, I didn't, haven't even talked about our topic yet. I'm sorry. Um, today, we are talking about wood. I know we already talked about wood on, you know, episode 14 or something like that. Um, but I'm not talking about the wood shortage. I'm not talking about uh, barrel shortages or finishing or anything like that. Today, we're actually talking about the wood itself. Um, you know, the, the impact and char the impact of the toast, chemical compounds, you know, stuff like that. We're going to get super nerd, super nerd dork. You know what I mean? That's like a, that's like a badge of honor now. Uh, whereas before, when I was growing up, if you were a nerd, you were like, you got beat up all the time. Now nerds are cool. You know what I mean? So I am a nerd for whiskey, but I also keep it very cool. Um, I love to dive into this. I'm hoping you will love this as well, but I love to dive into this stuff, but like, if I was doing a tasting for somebody or we were sharing a whiskey, I wouldn't tell you about the barrel impact of, of that unless it was like, like I say, some sort of finished whiskey or it was double oaked or something like that. I might mention it, but I'm not going to talk about this stuff that we're going to talk about. I almost said called it crap, but it's not crap. It's stuff that I, as a whiskey enthusiast, need to know 
so that if somebody asks me, I can explain it. But it's not something that the everyday whiskey drinker is going to even care about. They just know that it goes in a barrel and it comes out yummy. You know what I mean? That's all they really care about. So that's kind of weird. Oh, something else. The other little thing I wanted to talk about. So there's a little um, little Facebook group that... Um, well, there's a, the Whiskey Shaman Facebook group. If you don't, you need to get on there. But um, there's another one that I, I joined recently with a request from somebody. And it's, um, uh, they do like barrel, not barrel picks, but like kind of like, like if they find a really cool bottle, they put it up for like lottery. And it's a really strange, kind of cool, unique thing. So like, let's say they had a bottle of Blanton's, right? And this is like the Blanton's gold. It's not just the basic Blanton's. It's like a, you know, more special Blanton's or a straight from the barrel or something like that. Um, they would put it on this thing and they have 10 spots. And let's say it's $30, right? You Venmo whoever the guy is, you know, whatever his name is, you Venmo him $30 per spot. So depending upon how much you want to spend for that bottle, it could be $30 could be $300 depending upon how much you want to spend. Um, and the and the prices are different. They go anywhere from, I've seen them as low as like $10, $12 to over $100. Um, but each one is a set, as a set price. And so the guy who's doing the lottery, he will guarantee, because they don't close it until everybody, all 10 you know spots are filled. So... He, they they are guaranteed to make X amount. So like on a Blanton, on that Blanton's, if it was $30, they're guaranteed to make $300. But you could win that bottle for as little as $30, right? So they're automatically getting $300. You might only pay $30. Pretty cool. Sounds cool. And then what they do is every, I did not know this, but every day, and this is Texas and a couple of other states that do this, every day Texas has like a quick, quick pick or a pick three or a pick four that comes through every like morning noon and night like three or four times a day that it does this well they do they have like a, what they call a fire number and they do whatever that fire number is is the one that wins so it makes it very like sporadic for one but it's also like it's out of their hands like they don't pick the person just by chance it's just picked by lotto which i think is pretty cool on the other hand, you know, lotter the lottery machine is kind of finicky and it kind of does what it wants. And so, like, it'll pick, like, three, three, seven. And then the next time it's four, seven, seven, or something like that. So, like, the numbers are real weird. Like, it could pick, you know, two or three numbers the same at the same time. So, if you want separate, and they do all different types of bottles. Um I say all that to say, and I'm not, I, this is not a flex. Okay, this is not. I ha, I played a couple of them. There was one that was, um, I think it was a Blanton's Gold. I've never had a Blanton's Gold, and I just wanted to have one. And I think it was like 25 bucks. It wasn't, it wasn't super expensive, so I bought one of those. Did not win, okay? So then there was another one for a Caribou Crossing, which is a Canadian whiskey. Uh, as you know, I'm trying to get it more into Canadian whiskey, so I put in on that one. I think it was $30. And you see where it starts adding up, right? So I lost, I lost. I might have played four times. I've lost every time. So I'm in the whole hundred and something dollars, right? 
So the other day, they came through with a Weller um, a CYPB. Choose your perfect barrel or choose your perfect bottle type, whatever that one's called. And I've been wanting to try one of those. And they and it was expensive. Uh, the buy-in on it was expensive. And I was like, crap, I don't want to do it. But I I did. Well, then I ended up winning it. So that <laughs> that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to open that up when I can start drinking whiskey again. Soon, soon, hopefully. But it's it's just kind of cool that they do that. And so, like, they even had one this morning that was, um, like, a stag or something like that. Or uh, they've had E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof and stuff like that. I think I bought in on one of those. Anyway, a lot of cool bottles. But, um, you know, the chances of you getting them are 1 in 10. But <laughs> you have to pay every time. So, like, you can lose a lot of money. A lot of money real quick. All right. So let's get into it. Today we're going to talk about wood, wood influence, wood char, wood barrels, wood, woody, wood pecker. We're going to talk about all of it. All right. Let me find my notes here. Okay. Let me start with this one. All right. The choice of wood, usually oak, is critical. Oak's porous structure permits a controlled exchange of compounds between the wood and the whiskey. We're going to get deeper into this. This is just kind of an overview of what we're going to do, okay? Lignin, hemocellulose, and cellulose in the wood break down during aging. Releases, but really, ooh, you're gonna, just going to have to hold on to me. Don't hold on to me. You know what I mean. Um, releasing vanillins, tannins, and other compounds. Barrel size affects aging as well. Smaller barrels expose the whiskey to more wood surface, accelerating the process. Meanwhile, larger barrels can provide a smoother slower maturation char level influences flavor as well barrels are often charred before use they most of them are nine i'd say 95 percent of the barrels are charred um unless you get into some brandy barrels um original brandy barrels they're not they're just toasted um blah 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 where am i at um uh, um, often charred before use, creating a layer of charcoal that acts like a filter and imparts distinct flavor. The charcoal doesn't impart flavor. Uh, the deeper the char, the, the more inducing of smokier notes. The charcoal actually acts as a filter, like it said, but it does not impart any flavor. It just filters the spirit to <clears throat> soften the edges of it and stuff like that. The duration of aging is crucial. Over time, whiskey extracts compounds from the wood, mellowing harsh flavor. Oh my God, I'm talking about it. Before I said it, mellowing harsh flavor and gain, gaining complexity. Distillers monitor the process carefully to achieve the desired balance. Barrel, re, barrel reuse is a key consideration. First filled barrels contribute intense flavors, while subsequent, subsequent uses may yield more subtle influences. They're talking about second use, third use, stuff like that. Ultimately, the art of whiskey aging involves mastering the, these variables to craft a unique and high-quality spirit. And that's that's one page down. <laughs> but, hold on. Oh, shotgun. Got it. I have a trash can back there. I threw it in the trash because we don't need to talk about that part no more. Um, it's just, it's just really funny that, like, wood, just wood, American white oak, French oak, European oak, it doesn't matter. Wood in itself can impart that much flavor. Now, here, hear me out. Before we get any further into wood and wood contribution, um, 
you know, the different char levels, the different toast levels, all of that stuff. Before we get into any of that, I want you guys to understand that if you have crappy whiskey going into that barrel, it's not going to fix crappy whiskey, right? It's not. You could have junk going in. You're going to have junk going out that tastes like vanilla, vanilla flavored junk. That's not good. That's not going to taste good. If it tastes like crap before you put a, put it in the barrel, it's not it's not gonna taste any better. So your new make, your white dog, whatever you want, your moonshine, has to taste good before you put it in the barrel. Now it can be a little heady, it can be a little floral, it can be a little grassy, right? Because that will mellow out with time, with age. But it'll do the same thing if you just left it in a um, you know, a uh, stainless steel vat. It would mellow and a in not age, but mature the flavors. Because you okay, let's let's go back to the distillation, um, and we're gonna deep dive into distillation in the next oh good lord little while. Maybe that'll be one of the ones I can do while I'm, um, you know, not doing video content. Um, because you don't want to see my face right now. I'm a I am a hairless cat at this point it's 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 a horrendous horrendous thing anyway uh gotta love it anyway right uh it'll grow back soon hopefully sooner than later we can hope anyway but when you go distillation when you like whoa man i lost it dang it i'm sorry i'm sorry this we knew this was gonna happen um like if you like the product that is coming off if it's if it's not ready to go, if if you couldn't turn around and sell that for White Dog, then it doesn't need to go in a barrel. You know what I mean? Because the distillation process breaks down. But what? Okay, I found it. See, it came back finally. When you distill, you separate a whole lot of compounds because you're distilling. It's called fracture distillation. Is what it's called. That's why you can separate your heads from your hearts, from your tails. Now it does smear, right? You're going to get some heads in your hearts. You're going to get some tails in your hearts. You're going to get some hearts in your heads, right? And some hearts in your tails. So that's why um, you hear a lot of uh, distillers talk about narrow cuts or wide cuts. Um, more scotch distilleries, they do very wide cuts because they're going to sit on that whiskey for 12 years. Whereas in bourbon, they're going to sit on that whiskey for two years. So guess what? They're going to have to do more narrow cuts, right? Just try and get that chunk out of the middle of the good stuff, right? And then what they'll do is they'll reuse those feints or the, the heads and tails of that. They'll reuse that in another run and eke out a little bit more of it. Just a little bit more and a little bit more. After a while, you, you're not, you're, you know, shooting yourself in the foot with it. But um, then that that's where... You want the best product. Like if you're, if you know you're going to only age it for two years and you're pulling it off the wood, then you want a very narrow cut. You you want the best of the best that you have. Um, sometimes that might be enough, you know, depending upon the size of your app, uh, you know, your still, that could be enough to fill one or two barrels, or it could be enough to fill a hundred barrels, depending upon how big you are, you know. Um, whereas normally you would fill two hundred barrels. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of what it is. And it all depends upon your gallons going in and gallons coming out, right? Uh, because if you, it all comes back to math, right? If you have a 10% beer or distiller's beer going in there, only 10% of that entire liquid, be it a thousand gallons, whatever it is, only 10% of that 
is alcohol and you're not going to get 100% rectification of alcohol because it's going to start coming off if you're pot distilling it's going to start coming off at 170 proof you know what i mean so you know uh 100 what for uh seven, um, anyway it doesn't matter 85 85 you know something like that percent so I mean, you're you're not really going to get a whole lot of leeway. You know, you're not going to get 100% alcohol coming off the still at the first drops. You're just not. It's not going to happen. Um, when you call them distill, you can get closer, but then you're stripping flavor. So if you're doing a pot distillation, the highest, I mean, it can go higher if you put higher low lines in it. But, I mean, you know, they say it's a rule of thumb not to put anything over 40% alcohol in your still to rerun it because if you do it can be more volatile and has more of a chance to explode now that could be for the old moonshiners back in the day when they were doing it over an open fire and all of this stuff but I've also seen and seen that brandy distillers I know we're not talking about brandy but brandy distillers actually go up a little higher it's just like 65 uh, 65% alcohol because they want those higher end esters because they know they're going to let it sit for a long time and they want the brandy the flavor of the whatever the brandy is be it a peach or or just regular grape brandy or whatever they know that they want those uh those higher chain esters not the lower chain esters does that make sense so you you do your you do your cuts accordingly and once you know that that and that just takes time as time knowing your machinery and knowing your liquor that's going in right and it just that's why they're called master distillers now even though most distillers do not call themselves master distiller because they are not mastering that craft you are not a master of the craft you are beholden to that particular um, liquid that's coming off so it's the master of you it tells you when it's ready you don't tell it when it's ready does that make sense so Anyway, that being said, good stuff in, you get good stuff out. It better, actually better stuff out. Um, unless you're JJ. Uh, and then you get, you know, brown liquor. <laughs> Love you, JJ. Um, anyway, so let's move on to the next little thing. This, These are just little blurbs that I, I found and wrote down. This is talking about uh, various types of wood, right? And then we're going to get into the meat and taters of it. So, um, all right, hold on. Where am I at? Sorry, I gotta focus my eyes. My eye's been twitching lately. It's freaking weird, man. My right eye's just like it's weird. Like it's not from stress. It's just I don't know. All right, here we go. While various types of wood can be used for barrels, oak is predominant is the predominant choice in aging whiskey. American white oak, that is. Um, there are two main oaks used, as in American white oak. I'm going to say it, but it's not It's not going to be right. Kirkus, Q-U-E-R-C-U-S, Kirkus, Alaba, and European oak, Kirkus Rubar, R-O-B-U-R, R -O -B -U -R, and Kirkus Petraeus, P-E-T-R-A-E-A, doesn't matter. Um... <laughs> Sorry, it's, uh, yeah, the words are hard sometimes. 
Anyway, American white oak was widely used in production of bourbon. It is only used in the production of bourbon. Now, they do use it in some scotches and stuff like that, but, um, and it, and in American, uh, freaking bug flies landed on me. American whiskeys imparts flavors such as vanilla caramel, sometimes coconut. Uh, it's quicker aging due to a more porous nature. The more porous nature of the American white oak. Did you know that? American white oak is a little more porous than uh, some European oaks and stuff like that. Hungarian oak and stuff like that. Anyway, <clears throat> European oak is commonly used in Scotch whiskey production, particularly for single malts, contributing flavors like dark fruit, no, dried fruit, spices, and more tannic structure. European oak is denser, resulting in a slower aging process. That European oak normally is French. Uh, French, or hung, French or Hungarian oak. Um, while oak is the primary wood, experiments with other oaks like cherry, chestnut, is gaining popularity in the craft distillation scene, including unique, introducing new, new unique flavor profiles for aged spirits. However, regulations in certain regions may dictate the use of the oak for aging whiskey. They're talking about bourbon, right? Trash can. Ready? Oh, God, there was something on top of it and it fell off. Um, so that leads me into this. And this is a very this goes into what, what we're talking about. And we talked about it a little bit on the other uh, podcast I did. But you guys have already forgot because that was a while back. Um, uh, methods of madness. Is that how you say it? Methods of madness, not method of madness, because that's the band that Tommy Lee was in. And it's not good. Um, methods of madness. Um, I have had their single their pot still it's a it's it's a middleton distillery and they are doing like different experiments with chestnut hickory uh cherry all of these different woods hungarian um all of these different woods and different profiles and different uh single grain single malt uh blended malt blended malt in a chocolate stout cast that was made out of red cedar no that they didn't do that one but um anyway it's it's super cool what they're doing um so if you find one they're going to be in the irish uh section of your liquor store if you can find them i've seen them in total wine uh, if you guys have a total wine or whatever i've seen them in total wine i need to get another bottle i'm just saying right now they can be a little pricey but they're definitely worth the the try to get i mean i'm not dissing single grain whiskey at all i'm not but try and get the single malt because the single malt is going to give you more characteristic of a scotch or irish that that you're looking for the single grain is going to impart it's going to be a lot more wood influence so that might be able to show you what the wood is doing because there's not much flavor in itself in the single grain it's hundred still a little higher or a lot higher and uh you know they strip a lot of the flavor out so I don't know how long they're aging or anything, but anyway, it's pretty cool. All right, I'm going to need a drink before we get into the big part of it because it's, it's a lot. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I'm back. I'm back. I spilled the water and it dripped inside my nose. Have you ever done that before? I'm drinking out of a Yeti cup because that's what carries my water. You know what I mean? And uh, I set it down and it splashed right in my nose. What the heck? You know, whatever. All right, so I have a quick shout out, and you know we're 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 done with that. We're done with that. 
that's done. That's done. Um, I got a quick shout out. Um, and this shout out is none other than Chris Conrad. Um, he's the one that gave me, or I stole, like I told you on the other podcast, stealing is the best form of flattery. I stole this from him with permission. I stole this from him who he stole it from someone else. So don't, you know, it's fine. Um, I stole this from him. Chris Conrad obviously is the owner of Badmo Legacy Barrels, uh, the sponsor of this podcast. And I thank Chris and Badmo for the sponsorship. Please go out. Uh, there's still time before the end of the year to get you a barrel if you want one. Um, I, I saw the other day they had um, a wine finished, um, some wine finished barrels. That would be super cool. Um, I'm going to release a video uh, very quickly. Hopefully by the time this one comes out um, of me filling a infinity barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Your boy, your boy's got one. You need, you can have one too. Um, Go to Badmo, you know, use my link in the description below. And I want to thank Chris uh, for giving me all this information. And it's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about this. Uh, it's a main, main part. Because he nerds out on the wood part because that's his job, right? He's the wood guy. I'm the whiskey guy. He's the wood guy, right? So he helps, not me personally, but he helps. Well, no, he does help me personally. But he helps uh, the whiskey people make the whiskey better, right? So, And he's getting awesome wood. Like the wood that he's getting right now is freaking phenomenal. Um, you know, we talked about yard aged and kiln dried and all that stuff. He's getting some good stuff. Um, like I was saying in that in the last podcast, he was having a hard time finding it because, like I said, the big guys are wanting all that wood, and so it's very difficult for him to get it. Um, but he was able to find a source and get some to where he could make some some barrels out of it. And so that's that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And uh go support him when you can, please. We're all trying to do it. I know I know times are tough right now. You know, times are tough. We're going through Christmas. Christmas killed us all. I get it. Um I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and I hope you get what you want. Um I only asked for one thing this Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and that was be over over all the BS I got to do, but the, uh, you know, Santa came back and said, buddy, you got three more weeks. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I can wait. He goes, but after we'll have a good time. I was like, all right, cool. I guess I don't want to have to wait, but if I have to, it's okay. All right. So this is about a page and a half of uh, reading. I'm going to stop halfway through because I know it's a lot. It's a lot. So just get you a drink. If you can't have a drink where you're at, I understand. Um, you might want to have a drink after you listen to this. <laughs> no, it's not bad. It's not that bad. All right. So the impact of char and toast levels on and and the chemical pom whoa and the chemical compounds in oak barrel aging. Yeah, that's that's the heading of this. That's just the heading. All right. Let's go. You ready? Hold on tight. No. Um. You know, I'm going to screw it up halfway through anyway, so whatever. Uh, the char and toast levels applied to oak barrels have increased, have an incredible impact on the extraction and transformation of chemical compounds. The process contributes to the de development of flavors and the aroma profile in an aged spirit. This field of research is large and, con and is constantly finding new discoveries. I have highlighted a few compounds and how they can 
influence char and toast levels. All right, are you ready? The first one, lactones, cis and trans. Oh, God. We're not talking about that, are we? No, we're not. <laughs> you know, like a cis male. Have you, have you heard of that yet? It's like I was born a male, and I say that I'm a male. I'm a cis male. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know if that's what this is. These compounds produce woody, coconut, and vanilla-like notes, lending spirits, yeah, lending spirits depth and complexity and yielding a mellowness. The cis isonomer, in particular, has the, mo has the most potential of enhancing the overall aromatic product aromatic profile of the spirit. American white oak, Kyrkus alba, uh, is, re is relatively rich in cis isonome. Isomes? Isomer? I-S-O-M-E-R. Isomer? Isomer? Yeah, isomer. Compared to other oak species. Okay. The effects. The effects of, to of char and toast. Lower char love. Lower char and toast levels increase the extraction of lactones from the oak and increase the coconut and vanilla-like flavor and aroma in the spirit. I don't get coconut a whole lot. Um, this this is where I ad lib, not ad lib, but you know what I mean. This is where I get into my my part of it. Um, I don't. I've got coconut a couple of times in some whiskeys. Um, one of them that I get coconut. Not all the time, but sometimes is um, it's a Irish whiskey called Green Spot. If you've ever seen Green Spot, it's an amazing whiskey. Go pick it up. Um, I get coconut on that one sometimes. And then there was a single malt. Was it a Westland? It might have been Westland that I got a coconut note on as well. Um, a lot of times I get the vanilla more than anything else. Okay. Um, resulting impact. The more pronounced lactone presence in, introduces a complexity in, of the spirit, creating a balance among sweet, woody, and fruity notes. So, if you have a low char, low toast, it increases um, the complexity. Because the wood, I mean, okay, so the wood is playing more effect than the char and the toast, right? So, I would say that would be perfect for like a single malt that you know is going to have to sit in there for years and years. Not not a bourbon. You know what I mean? A bourbon, you want, I'm not going to say harsh, you want very heavy flavors with it, right? Whereas a single malt is lighter, a little fruitier, a little more um, floral, stuff like that. So, all right. That, that wasn't too hard, all right? I can't find my place. Every time I... trying to lean back my chair lean, leans back really far and it <laughs> makes me feel like i'm gonna fall over all right let's get into vanillins vanillins infusing the spirit with sweet creamy and distinctively vanilla character vanillin also imparts sweetness to the flavor profile adding perceived sweetness without adding sugar like i told you the barrel is made out of cellulose right and so, therefore, it's like, it's made out of sugar. You just got to get to it. You got to let the alcohol break it down, right? I'm sorry. The conversion to vanilla and alcohol during the barrel 
fermentation further deepens the complexity of the barrel-aged beer, is what they're saying. Um, that that's kind of weird that they would, you know, that they would do that. That they would put a. Uh, I mean, I understand there's barrel-aged beer, but like it's the the alcohol content of the beer would have to be pretty high before it would impact any to the wood because the wood is. You know what I mean? Like the wood, I don't know. It would need to at least be ten to twelve percent alcohol before it starts doing anything. I know you you age wine in in barrels and stuff like that, and it does impart flavor. You can taste it, but like it's not so, you know, so strong that it's like, oh, that tastes like oak. No, it, you know, it really doesn't, unless you left it in there for years and years. But you're gonna find a critical mass point on it where it's just going to be saturated i feel i might be wrong if i am wrong let me know the effects of char and toast medium toast encourages the release of the vanillins thereby introducing a delectable touch oh delectable touch of sweet vanilla to the spirit the resulting impact is spirits age with a medium toast barrel might showcase heightened vanilla aromas and, f and flavors you notice how they say might right it might do that because it depends upon like i said good stuff in good stuff out you know what i mean and it might not that's the thing if you've ever done if you've ever gone to a distillery and had them pull samples out of a barrel right each barrel tastes completely not completely different but 10 to 15 percent different you would think it's a different product it tastes that much different it's so crazy. It's so crazy. Um, all right. Here comes the... Whew, I don't even know if I can say that word. Eugenol. Eugenol. I said Eugenol. E-U-G-E-N-O-L. Eugenol. It's like Eugene. Eugenol. Eugenol. I think it's Eugenol. They contribute a, spi a spicy clove-like aroma that attributes to the Eugenol imparting a warmth and profoundness that enriches the spirit overall, their overall aroma. The concentration of eugenol during the air seasoning process amplifies these, um, this spicy attribute. So that's, that's cool. That happens during the aging process, um, the yard aging. That, that's cool. So the longer the yard aging, the higher the eugenol, sounds like. Effects in chars toast level. The toasting process tends to increase the release of eugenol and heightens the spicy clove-like aroma resulting in spec. Spirits aged in barrels are subject to elevated toast may have more pronounced spiciness and warmth. So that's why with French oak they do a lot of times they'll just toast the barrel. Because I bet in for, with French oak, they yard age it for a long time and the eugenol is high in it. And then when they do a toast, it just makes it super high. That's why every French oak barrel finished whiskey that I've had, which is not very many, it's a couple of them. I've had the Froak from Balcones, uh, a couple of other ones, have, have all been super clove, cinnamon, allspice, just very Christmassy, right? It's that that's crazy to me. Wow. See, I'm learning stuff while you are too. Alright. Let me get to this. Let me get to this. What is this one called? I can't even freaking read that. I don't even know what the hell that says. 
Guyana call. Guy. Guya call. I don't know. G U A I A C O L. Guya call. And methyl Guya call are responsible for infusing smoke and charred aromas. These compounds are necessary for spirits strive, striving for a woody or smoky profile, such as certain whiskey types. The effects of char and toast. The toasting process. Hold on. Never mind. Um, a more intense charring process results in elevated levels of guia. Oh my god. Four methyl call. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, thus amplifying the smoky and charred note. Like that would be like if you have ever had like a stag or a stag junior. If you've ever had one of them, they're super smoky, but not smoky like like smoked barbecue or smoky whiskey. They're not like that. They're just they're just super rich and dark. Um, uh, the resulting impact of the spirit aged within these barrels with heavy charring may showcase a smokiness and charred attributes. Okay, are you ready? This is the other one. I'm going to take a drink real fast. Dang, that's a lot. See, I got too far away from my dang table. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do this. All right, fur for all. I know that one. Fur for all and 5-methyl fur for all. These compounds introduce a sweet caramel, butterscotch, and almost almond-like aroma, contributing in the overall essence of sweetness and richness within the flavor profile. The effects in toast, higher levels of toastings initiate the product and releases furfurols and 5-methyl furfurol, thereby amplifying the caramel and butterscotch note. The spirits aged in heavy toast makes showcase a sweeter and more multifaceted flavor profile marked by dis- discernible caramel and butterscotch undertones. Let's see if there's any more on the other page. Yes, there is. The intensity of toast and char in oak barrels shape the extraction and transformation of chemical compounds on aged spirits. Different levels of char and toast work together to yield multiple flavors and aromas, enabling distillers to craft their spirits to master precise intended profiles. So that's the thing. That's the thing, guys. These these coopers, the the, the guys who are making the barrels, the the cooperages. They are creating magic. You tell them you want a heavy toast, number three char. That's perfect for a bourbon. What do you want on a bourbon? You want cherry. A lot of times I don't get cherry. You know, um, some people do. I don't, I get it sometimes, but I don't, I get more of like that medicinal cherry, which is like cherry, cherry cough syrup. I don't like that. I don't taste good. Um, I do get cherry every once in a while, but not not very often. Vanilla, I get all the time. I love it. Butterscotch, yes. Um, uh, caramel, absolutely. I love those. I would take those flavors all day in a bourbon. In a bourbon. Um, and so you want that heavy toast. That heavy toast, number three char. Well, you could do four or five, but then once you get to that far, you're literally cutting into your toast. You know, they use a number five char because they use some funky, you know, they got some funky uh, new make going in there and they're trying to filter it. 
that's all they're trying to do is filter filter it more um so they don't have to you know do the lincoln county process of filtering you know what i mean um because sometimes if you've ever tried um i don't know if you have if you've ever gone to a distillery and tried their beer before they distill it it doesn't taste very good it's not a beer you want to drink um and if you've ever tried their white dog before they age it it's not great it's not really that good i mean it's okay you could drink it i mean it's not that great though so i don't know it's like the the barrel you know and and the craft distillers are going to are going to poo poo on me probably but the barrel does a lot more than we're giving it justice i feel um because i have seen you know i've been to andalusia whiskey multiple times um more times than i care to care to say no i love those guys moose is doing some amazing stuff ty and tommy they're 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 amazing people i actually um bought in on the company a little bit yeah yeah they were doing a start engine and i bought in on them a little bit just because i i know they're doing amazing stuff and i want to support them um, I don't have the money to support them, but I'm trying whatever little bit I got, right? Um, but I uh, I have seen them put new make. Uh, of course, they're doing malts, right? So it is different than a corn-based liquor. Um, I've seen, I've tried the, the new make coming off the still. Of course, at still strength, so it was a little hot, a little fiery. The one that, that I was doing was peated, so peat you know, comes over weird and it needs to age. So there's that. But, um, then I've seen it at six months. I've seen it at a year. I've seen it at a year and a half. We got to try all of those things different, you know, and you see how it changes in, in the, the oak. You see how the oak influence maturate matures it. It is, it's amazing to see. It really is. It is amazing to see what the wood profile gives it. Um, it, it. It gives it something that you can't explain. Like the original spirit is fiery. It's hot. It's a little smoky. It's um, kind of, I want to say umami in the point of like, it's almost like if you were to take the barley, like the cereal, what you would call the cereal, take the cereal and just eat it like that. It has a lot of grain flavor. Not bad, but it's just very grainy, almost gritty uh, in the taste. But then you try it, the bottle, and you're like, this is amazing juice. It's, it's, it's floral, it's fruity, it's, it's caramel, it's sweet. It's, it's not sweet. They don't add sugar to it. It's sweet because of the barrel. And that's what's so cool about it. That barrel impacts so much. And good barrels, you know, we talked, we did talk about getting good barrels and getting bad barrels, but like getting a good barrel and having a good cooperage that you work with is a detriment to your distillery because it can be either great or it can be horrible. You know what I mean? You don't want, unfortunately, there's some companies out there that are doing yard aged. Well, it's okay to have, I mean, not a, not yard aged. You want yard aged. Kiln dried. Well, the issue with kiln-dried, and I think we talked about this, and I'm gonna, it'll be a refresher if we have. Kiln-dried, obviously, is just that. It dries it super fast with heat. Well, the heat actually sucks out some of the good stuff and gives you, leaves you with a, a, a new, 
I want to say new grassy note. And that is because of the barrel. Now, when you put a, a distillate that is not, how do I say it the right way? That is not cut correctly. That's cut too far into the heads or too far into the tails. Um, then that shows a lot more in the finished product when you have uh, air dried, you know, barrels and subpar distillate. You get a subpar whiskey, and that's just that's just life. You know what I mean? You got two two things against you right from the right from the get go. Is there some good whiskeys out there that are in air dried barrels? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. It's getting harder and harder to find yard dry, yard aged <laughs> because they're just, you know, people are running through them. And like I said in the past, um, there, there will be a lull and we'll have some time very soon to, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, revamp and, and redo our stuff. And I've talked to a number of distilleries that have said that if they've already got, they've got barrels for a couple more years. And that gives them time to resource out if they have to. You know what I mean? Find some other um, barrel makers and, and hopefully there's some other people. Now, just because it says American White Oak doesn't mean American White Oak out of the forest of, of, of uh, where are we talking? You know, um, the forest of Kentucky. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that. It can be Pennsylvania. It can be Missouri. It can be... Ohio, Iowa, it doesn't matter as long as it's American White Oak, right? And good, good American White Oak, obviously, because American White Oak is pretty abundant. Um, and that's one of the reasons they, they, they picked it from the beginning because it was abundant. It was cheap to them. They could cut it down. It was in their backyard. Uh, they could cut it down uh, fairly easily, and it was water, water uh, tight. You know, it didn't leak that much. It expanded enough to where it could seal, um, you know, seal the barrel because back then back in the day back in the 1800s they used those barrels for shipping and holding water and all kinds of stuff could you could you believe like drinking water water out of a barrel it's gonna taste like wood you know what i mean it's gonna be very woody water <laughs> it's kind of crazy but at the same time it's like that's cool you know what i mean like it's kind of cool um that they can do that um, but now they've perfected the the art of barrel making and wood stave making and stuff like that. It's it's super cool. Even just watching uh, Chris Conrad uh, make make his little uh, heads or whatever that he puts in his barrel. I mean, it's just crazy the amount of chamfering he does. And like he uh, they have a tongue and groove on them to where they're not just two boards stuck together. They're actually seamed together you know what i mean to create a cohesive thing you know what i mean and still let you get to the wood it still lets you get to the wood which is super cool i'm super excited for the future of the wood industry um and and the whiskey industry to 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 bow um because i really feel that um craft distillers especially american single malt distillers are just now getting their stride um, you know, big, big bourbon, they're going to be a around for a while. You know, they're not, sorry, I've got to move again. Big bourbon's not going anywhere. We know this. Uh, they're going to be around forever. 
we're not trying to take away from them. Like, like I said, with the, with the podcast with germ, um, we're not trying to take over big, big bourbon or anything like that. I just want to see American single malt and craft distilling, not just American single malt, but craft distilling. I want to see it go to another level. I want it to see it get national recognition, not just in your state, not just in your region. I want, I, I want praise for, Westward. I want praise for Westland. I want praise for Stranahan's and Leopold Brothers and all of these. I could sit here and name 20, you know, craft, craft distillers that are doing so much cool stuff that, like, you, you don't even know them. You don't even know half of them. Tattersall. You never heard of that one, have you? No, you haven't. And it sucks. Why not? Why haven't you? Cedar Ridge. Cedar Ridge is making some of the coolest whiskey out there. And you've never heard of them. Another one. Spirits of French Lit. My buddy Alan. You know what I mean? He's making some amazing stuff. He doesn't really even do single malts. He did it a couple times, but he's doing some stuff. He was on Fred Minix 100. Yeah. Not he, but Spirits. I mean, that's amazing. To go from a fledgling distillery to be on Fred, Fred Minix Top 100. Congratulations, bro. You did it. That's awesome. To know that your whiskey, the whiskey you strived over, you babied, you you sat with, you cried over, you got pissed off at, made some accolades with somebody. Now, I will say, you can take Fred Minnick, take him or leave him, right? It doesn't matter to me. He's not my friend. Um, if you know him, great. That's fine. I'd, I'd be more than happy to talk to him. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like he's just a he's just a dude. Right, that that likes whiskey. So am I. You know what I mean. I'm. I'm. He's no better than me. Uh, he might have accolades, like you know, W. Set or something like that. It doesn't matter to me. You're. You either like the whiskey or you don't, and that's the thing. And um, I can't. I can't wait for the day when these craft distilleries start start uh, getting some high numbers, and they already are. You can see them at these that like the San Francisco uh, Wine and Spirits Festival. They're getting gold, double gold. On all their stuff. I mean, uh, just Andalusia alone has got double gold multiple times. You know, it's like, come on, guys. When are we gonna? When are we gonna do this? I'm sorry. I'm ranting now. I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it, it. You know, it's one of those things where like, the barrel influence on on whiskey is such a such an important thing that like think about it. Think about what if back in the day. They decided they were like, we're not going to use barrels. We're just going to, we're going to make, cause back, you know, back a long time ago, they would make the whiskey and it was white or clear whiskey. They would, they would use this clear whiskey and they would just drink it as antiseptic. They would drink it just to get through the day uh, because they had overstock of, of grain. Right. So what if they just never aged it again? What if we just were stuck with clear liquor the whole time? You know what I mean? It would be a pretty... I don't think whiskey would be where it is. Obviously. It wouldn't. If if, if it wasn't for the barrel aging... I mean, because you think about it. All the age statements go out the window. You're 12. You're 14. You're 21. You're McGallan 87. Nobody cares about that. It's still a clear whiskey. You know what I mean? So, it has to do with the barrel. And the barrel makes so much of a, of an, of an effect and a, and, a, and a difference on it. So... Anyway, I know, I'm sorry. 
I get crazy with it. And also the proof thing. We, we, let's talk about this real fast. The proof of the whiskey makes a big difference on the barrel as well. So like if you're going in at, you know, like bourbon has to be uh, maximum 125, 62.5% alcohol going into the barrel, right? Now in America, most of the time you raise proof. So it'll go over that, but you can't make it go over that, right? To be considered bourbon. Um, but like while Turkey goes in at like 115, right? So, you know, that makes a big difference because they're trying to eke out more of those vanillins, more of those caramels, right? Because it is, there are co- components in the, in the wood that are alcohol soluble, which means they dissolve in alcohol. And then there's others that are water soluble. They dissolve in the water. So the higher alcohol content, you're going to get more of X. The more water content you have in your liquor, you're going to get more of that. That's why a lot of distilleries now are doing what they call in barrel, a in barrel proofing. So that's they'll, they'll age a whiskey for X number of years, however long it doesn't matter four years. And then they will start the, um, proofing process maybe they'll start it at age three they'll add some water to it and they will slowly over like a year or two years age that thing down to where they want to want to have it at now they might not they're not going to age it down to 45 percent or nothing like that but they will age it uh, they will not age it they will proof it down in the barrel over a long period of time to eke out all of those water-soluble compounds to give it more and more complexity over time. That's super cool to me. I don't know if it is to you. Hopefully it is. Hopefully this gave you a little bit of understanding of what the wood impact does to liquor. Um, If you like this, please share it with your friends. Leave a review. Thank you very much for all the support through all of this. This has been an amazing journey. Um, We're coming up to the end of the year and that's crazy i can't even think that i'm gonna hopefully have another one before the end of the year um but if i don't happy new year uh because next week is not a great week for me so uh anyway well by the time you hear this one that week will already be over so that's good um but everything went fine and uh, we're gonna start rocking it again but um i really appreciate all you And thank you for the support again. And uh, may your family be around you and you be loved and all those things. And drink some good whiskey. Don't let it sit on the shelf, please. Open up the bottle and drink it. Yeah, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's Jim Beam Mott Label or Pappy 23. Open that shit up. Let's go. You could die tomorrow. Seriously, open it up. All right. I will leave you with that. Make sure you check my affiliate link in the in the description down below and um if you have any questions may free feel to email me whiskey shaman podcast at gmail.com and until next time keep your spirits up love you guys